Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. Sticks, stones, and Saul's armor. Amen? Sticks, stones, and Saul's armor. First Samuel 17 and verse 1. I'm going to skip around a little bit because it's a big, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a huge passage, and that would take uh, an inordinate amount of time to get the whole story out. But let's go ahead and uh, delve in. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. Somebody say it belonged to Judah. That's a big deal in itself. Because just because the enemy uh, comes in like a flood, that doesn't mean that you sign over uh, the ownership of what's yours to the enemy. It's a strong distinction because some of you are not doing that. Some of you say, well, what, what, what the enemy can take, he can have. And whatever he takes is his. It's not. The inheritance that, you know, uh, if God gave it to you, the enemy has no rights to it, no right to come in and take it away. Uh, so the, the, the Word of God is very clear to, to, to paint the distinction there um, that uh, it, it didn't belong to them. It belonged to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Azekah and Ephes, Damim, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side. And Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley in between them. And champions have to go through valleys, right? You don't see champions made until they uh, go there. Even Goliath, you know. I I wonder sometimes how, you know, Goliath would probably think in his mind, I hope they don't have one too. You know, if they don't have a giant, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Champions have to go through valleys. If you intend to do anything in the world, you know, whether it's secular, whether it's uh, spiritual, um, you're going to walk through valleys. Because that's where greatness happens. That's where turn point things happen is in the valley. Some of you complaining about being in the valley. That you're either going to have your biggest victory there or your biggest loss. And it's going to depend on your source. Amen? And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs, and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. The staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. That, that iron's what you know that, that that's like the, you know the tip and that's the technology there that's like you know this, this the, the iron was going to pierce any other kind of armor so that's that's very dangerous the tip of the spear uh, was of higher quality than anything else just so you know the shield bearer went before him and he stood out and cried to, out to the armies of Israel and said to them why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, we will be your servants, liar. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be the servants, our servants and serve us. The enemy's a liar. He had no intention of honoring this deal. You know this, right? They kill Goliath, nothing will change, nothing will happen. And here's the thing, that what the enemy will tell you is a lie. 
the offers that he makes to you, uh, the concessions that he makes over your life you know, and in your life. It says, if you will serve me, if, you, if you'll just kind of lean into this, if you'll make this your number one priority over God and over his kingdom and over the things that, I, that he would say to you, then I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth. I will do this. He's a liar. He won't, he won't do it. Something to think in mind next time the enemy tempts you. It's always a bad deal. He's a, he's a liar. And so is this guy. He's a Philistine. He said, choose, you know, we'll make a deal. We'll be your servants, and then we'll serve you. If you kill me, he's got, here's the thing. You know, you know why? Let me preach to you for just a second. Because he has no authority to offer this deal. He's, he, he's, he's, he's the champion. You know, he's, the, he's the giant, but he's not the king. Are you going to hear this or not? He, he's not the king. The king has the authority to say what is and what will be and who will serve who and who will not. And, 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 but the enemy, he comes forward. He's in the Valley of Elah, and he's making deals that he has no authority to offer. So let me just give you a word of advice. When the enemy comes to you and he begins to offer things and he begins to threaten things, understand that the authority is not with him to say what will be and what will not be, whose inheritance is what and where we draw the lines. That's not his to decide. He'll offer it. He'll, oh, I'll give you this, and this can be your. No, it won't who are you there's a king on the throne and it's not you the enemy be making deals with me you got no authority who's got the authority that's why I am who you say I am because I know you have the authority to make it so amen but he keeps talking and the Philistine said I defy the armies of Israel this day Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Say, dismayed and afraid. Amen. Now we skip down a little bit. Um, verse 16 says that, oh, for 40 days he tormented them. 40 days he came out and gave the same line. I defy Israel. I defy the God of Israel and just blasphemes God. And at this point, he's getting creative. You know, 40 days, the same insults. You know, you're coming up with whatever you can. The enemy saying stuff don't even make sense anymore over your life. Right? They say, he's, saying, he's saying you're, you're, you're fat whenever you're skin and bones. He'll throw anything at the wall and see what will stick. That's what the enemy will do. He'll lie and he will lie and he will lie. But you sit there and you listen to it and it begins to affect you. And David said in verse 29, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. These people answered him as the first ones. They said, you know, and they said, hey, there's a giant here. We're afraid. We're worried about it. We can't fight him. And David says, what, is there not a cause? Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then Saul, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And I'm kind of surprised that he let him. Yeah, because he didn't think he was going to win. And that's going to be really bad for morale. But David said to Saul, you, you're certain, you know, oh, no, Saul said, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight for him. You're a youth, and he's a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when you, a lion and a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb out of its mouth. When it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, 
go, and may the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. Give a couple practice swings, see what's going on. Never messed around with a sword before, and there's a reason for that. I'll tell you why. David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off, and then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine, so the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked around and saw David, he disdained him. He disrespected him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. Can't be disqualifying disqualifying people because they're they're good-looking. Can't disqualify people because they're not. Don't matter. Amen. Right. Don't matter. Normally, in this society, you know, you it would be the opposite. But he's and he he's soft. He looks soft, man. He's young. There's no experience in war. Can't judge by how, whether someone's good looking, bad looking, weird looking. Depends on what they've got inside. Depends on what they got in that pouch. So the Philistine said to David, this is important. Am I a dog? Amen? He's looking at what's in his hand right now. He's looking at the stick. He's look, he looking at the staff. He's looking at something else. He doesn't understand um, that there's more to the story. See, the problem with the, you know, with the, with the weapons here is he's looking at weapons that are, that, that are not readily apparent. He's saying, well, are you going to beat me with a stick? But there's a closeted suggestion there as well. We'll get to that in just a second. Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? You're going to beat me with a stick? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. Amen? It's going gonna, gonna to be a one-time deal, enemy. Amen. I, I believe that might have caught somebody just there. It's time for it to be a one-time deal. You've been in the Valley of Elah too many times because you didn't finish the work. You start shouting around. You start getting happy. You start getting excited about it, but you don't follow through. You need to follow through. You need to go home. You need to cut that thing's head off in the name of Jesus. It needs to be a one-time deal. He said, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was that the Philistine arose and came near and drew near to meet David. Ran out, 40 days straight, he ran out of insults. He said, it's time to fight. David ran and hurried toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in the bag and took out the stone. Uh-oh, things have shifted. I thought it was a stick. He slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth and David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. 
struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted, pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and the gates of Ekron, and wounded the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sharim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. The children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. They got their stuff. Amen. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put the armor in the, I guess I can't even get through this. Amen. When Saul saw David going out against the Philistines, he said to Abner, whose son is this youth? Whose kid is that? See, that's how you know that you did it right. That's how you know that you've done it right, because they didn't say, who, who is this? Who's, whose son is that? Because there is something more to the story here. This is not adding up. The joy, unspeakable and full of glory coming out of this person that is not based on their negative circumstances, that the authority and power that they walk into the room with whenever uh, everything else is a mess and chaos, the peace, the power, the anointing and the authority. I, I'm not, who's whose son is that because there's more to them I need to know what's the connection here Uh, where where is that really what's the source of this unnatural victory whose kid is that I was listening to a podcast or something and they're like they're giving Michael Jordan's kids a hard time because they weren't you know just throwing down and then the guy was like yeah they're only half him yeah Jerry that makes sense yeah, I never thought about it like that. I was like, no, they're just baby Michael Jordans. They should be like flying to the rim, you know? Like, I don't know, boy, if you married somebody who can't even, you know, touch the net or someone who's very unathletic, you know, then that makes sense. You know, they're only, they're, they're grabbing the rim. They're not dunking. <laughs> kind of makes sense. It matters. What I'm trying to say to you is kind of, it, that, that matters. <laughs> the kids are only half Jordan. Um, and, and, and you, whenever you're doing it right, they're going to look and they're going to say, whose son is this? Whose, whose daughter is this? Because what they're operating out of is something that is, that is more powerful than just them. What they've been able to accomplish uh, with the little bit that they have, there's something to that. Whenever they cast out that demon, whenever they begin to lay their hands on the sick and they're saying, I don't think he worked that up on his own. I don't think that's just the end of the story. Whose kid is that? That's what Saul wants to know. Say, I, know who the, I know who he is. Whose kid is that? Because great things need to glorify God. The great victories that he wants to work in you will glorify the Father. Amen. David answered said, I'm the son of your servant. Got through my text. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word. Help us today. Encourage us. Help us to uh, give the enemy a black eye, Lord. Um, to, to knock that thing down and remove the head that it doesn't get up anymore, God. All that, all that big hulk of an attack of the enemy serves as is nothing but a remembrance of who you are, not who the enemy is. God, may you strike down these attacks, these temptations, Lord, um, these devices of the enemy in such a way that when people begin to look at those things, they don't even see the enemy anymore. They see what God has done. They don't see the trial. They see the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. If you go back to 1 Samuel 13 and 19, uh, you learn something interesting about the long-term plans of the defeat of the children of Israel. This is important stuff uh, because uh, they didn't just find themselves in the Valley of Elah, for sure, for sure not. Um, they, they, they're very strategic about this, right? 
You know, they, they, if, if, when the enemy comes against us, um, you know, it's not just whim, you know, on, on a whim. He has a plan to destroy you. Hear me now. He has a plan to destroy your family. He has a plan to destroy your ministry. you got a plan to destroy your anointing, and he put a lot into it. And so the more ignorant you are of the devices, the more likely they are to work on you. You know, a trap's only a trap as long as you don't know it's a trap. And then it's just a bad decision. So don't be ignorant. Amen. And here's what I'm talking about. 1 Samuel 13, 19 said, The Philistines had caused there to be no blacksmiths in the land. So this is a, this is a long-term plan. This is a plan to kind of choke out um, all the blacksmiths and, and make sure that you funneled them away, hired them away, you know, or, or maybe go in and, and kill them because what's going to happen? You know, today you might be fine, but now the, the, the children of Israel are no longer able to craft actual swords and weapons and, and spears and javelins. So, you know, it's all, it's all good for a little while. You know, all the blacksmiths are gone. And, you know, but two years later down the road, uh, we're all standing here awkwardly on the far side of the mountain with, with, with you know, wooden weapons. You know, without swords. There's only two swords on this side of the, of the mountain, Jonathan's and, and Saul's. Everybody else is, is operating with what they have. So, and that was interesting to me. And, and I kind of actually gave a pass to the brothers um, that are sitting there taking it for 40, you know, for 40 days straight. Because according to the word of God, there's been a strategic long-term plan to take all the weapons out of the people of God. Come on, Come on now. And let me tell you, you look around. You look around at some, some churches and some that purport to be churches. You look around at schools. You look at things. And there is a long-term strategic plan from the enemy. It didn't come from God. It didn't come from man. It came from the enemy to begin to remove the source of the power, to begin to remove the, the place from where the sword comes from, that, that knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. We are dealing with a generation who is operating without the truth and the anointing and the power of the Word of God. And it's long-term, it's strategic, and it's working. Because now you've got a whole generation going into spiritual battle, going to make decisions, trying to live life, and they don't have the, the connection to the thing that could see them through those trials. So that thing that you could turn on and say, I remember what I was taught. I remember what the Word of God says. Let me turn to it in my hour of need and desperation in my valley. Outsourced it all. And so now I kind of feel bad because, you know, everybody's sitting there like, you know, not wanting to fight Goliath. Well, I wouldn't either. Like even if I was jacked, even if I was huge, even if I was skilled. If he's the only one with a sword, let's be fair. So David's looking around, hey, nobody got, got the sword. Nobody, nobody in this army seems to have what it takes. And it's more than just cowardice. It's lack of preparation. It's lack of vision. The enemy is preparing for this fight, and the first thing he's going to do is going to lay some groundwork. What, 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 what do I hear coming out of your life, church? What does the Lord hear coming out of your life? Here's a lot of work being done, a lot of success, a lot of kids fussing maybe, a lot of this. And that. Does he hear the sound of iron striking iron in your life? 
Are you in that word? Are you, are you communing with God? Are you walking with the Lord? Because uh, you know, all throughout the, the children of Israel, all the camps of the Israelites, there was a lot of sounds. You know, there, there was a generation. You know, there were farmers. There were all these things going on. But the thing that you did not hear, the thing that was missing, uh, was the blacksmith's anvil and his hammer striking as he would begin um, to, to, to create that thing that, that, that would cause the, the war to, you know, to be won, that sword. Uh, what, what, what is coming out of your life right now? Uh, is it missing something? Is it missing that sound of somebody who is living for God, who is pursuing God, who is keeping the sword sharp, uh, who is getting in the word and declaring things with authority, having an anointing on their life. Can you, you can hear all this other kind of financial success coming, and that's great. You hear all, the, all these other relationships. You can hear people talking. There's a lot of stuff, but if you, if you incline your ear, do you hear the sound of iron on iron? Because if you don't, it's a matter of time where you wind up on the battlefield with no weapon wind up in the valley with no power. You go, oh God, why? Why are we here? Well, look what the enemy was able to steal from you when there was no war. And now you want to know why you're not properly equipped to fight it when it came. Where's the word? So that's number one. There's no swords in the land. But I call it sticks, stones, and Saul's armor. I almost did an extra S in there, but I thought it was tacky. But I guess I am undone. So, sticks, swords, stones and Saul's armor if the sword's in there it's important it's important now that's the first thing and here, here's what, what we're talking about here we're going to uncover the schemes of the enemy we're, we're going to identify the devices that he is using against you and in your life and then we're going to defeat them in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit amen that's the plan that's where we're going Who, who's who's coming so number one, there's no swords in the land. You can get your sword out. You got to get in the Word of God. You got you got to stay close to that. You got to keep that thing sharp for the day and the age whenever you need it. Number two, Goliath attacked the foundations of faith before he ever rose his hand to defeat them. He undercut the foundations of faith in God. He played mind games on it. Playing mind games, Darian playing mind games against these people for 40 days straight. 40 days of mocking, prophesying, and lying. It's false prophecies. Well, how false is it if it comes true? Sometimes you know, the enemy wants to speak death over your life, and if you don't fight, if you don't pick up your sword, if you don't sharpen that sword, if you don't come against him with the power of the Holy Spirit, more than the power of your own personality or your own decision, but the power of God, that will come true in your life. The, en the enemy's attack will, will succeed unless you stand up against it with faith and anointing. It's a big deal. You know, World War II, um, they, 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 um, they called it uh, shell shock. You know, right now, you would call it post-traumatic stress disorder. You know what I'm talking about, PTSD. Uh, that's when somebody uh, has not received a physical wound in their body, uh, but they're, they're, they're manifesting the effects of it in their mind, and you're just their nerves are shot. And, and so you, you can imagine people were just making fun of them. You know, they'd be on the front lines in these trenches, and these huge explosions day and night, you know, just boom, 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 boom. You know, one, one historian said that it was like a drum roll. And you could barely hear them apart. But when it would really pick up, it was just the sound of rolling thunder. 
for days on end. And so these guys would come out of the trenches just so their minds blown, basically. You know, their eardrums, you know, blown. And, you know, just so messed up that they just screamed and, you know, went home and had to go to an asylum. It was so bad, uh, the PTSD. And they would call it shell shock at the time. And that, and, and it felt so bad for these guys because nobody understood. Some of them, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of them were, were, were put to death, you know, and they were shot, you know, by their own side with a firing squad because the firing, the, the people didn't understand. They thought they were chickens. They thought they were just leaving the line and they were cowards. They thought that's what was going on. They're like, then nothing happened. You didn't get shot. You didn't get hurt. Be real careful, my friend, about, about how you judge people who are walking through things that you don't understand or you don't see. Uh, because it would be a terrible cry and shame if we became the army that was putting our own people up against the wall because of the things that we did not understand the enemy was trying to make manifest in their life and in their hearts and in their minds because there is a battle and it begins up here. You're right. So be real careful about how, you, how much grace you're trying to cut off on somebody. And worry about your own stone. Amen. Shell-shocked, messed up, messed up. But I tell you what, I begin to think about that. These guys, these boys are shell-shocked. They, they've been set, they have sat there for 40 days straight and heard nothing but, 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 but negativity and death and hatred and vitriol and, and someone speaking defeat over them for 40 days. 40 days is a big deal, though, right? You know what I'm talking about? 40 days is a big deal. See, because 40 days on a mountaintop hearing from God, and Moses comes down with the tools, with the word, and the faith to go and conquer a land. Forty days hearing from God straight. You're good, you're good to go. You're ready. You're ready to take the land. But 40 days of hearing nothing but negativity and death and destruction and false prophecies and lies, you're ready to give that same land back. That's what they have. Moses before they crossed over and conquered this land for 40 days straight with God. Now, 40 days hearing the lies about how it's not really yours, about how God is lying about it, how, how he doesn't have the power, the authority. He ain't giving you the tools. You, you're not able to maintain the promises of God in your life. And now these people are about ready to give it back. See, it matters what you hear. It matters what you allow, uh, you know, to, to, be put, to be spoken over you. It matters what you, uh, what you incline your ear unto. I don't blame David's brothers for not going down with sticks and stones. But I do blame them for not saying anything back. How long are you going to let uh, the, the enemy talk to you before you start talking to God? How long are you going to allow the enemy to keep speaking death over you and coming against you before you start to take it serious? Number three. He fights David in the valley. He shoots his shot whenever he's got the high percentage shot, right? He, uh, he, he waits, you know, the enemy don't like to attack you on the mountaintops. And you're like, well, you know, why, why is it all happening right now? Well, you, know, you know how it seems, sometimes it seems like when anything that can go wrong goes wrong at the worst possible time? That's not an accident when it comes to the spiritual warfare. Uh, you know, whenever the enemy is going to attack you, he's going to attack you in the valley. Whenever you're walking through difficult things, whenever life, whenever, whenever it just is, that's when the enemy knows you're at your weakest and he's going to come against you. So make sure that you're, uh, that, that, that you're a shield over somebody and not adding to uh, the problems of the valley. Amen? The enemy likes to wait until you're in the valley. I'm almost done here. It's a miracle. About two-thirds done anyway. Number four, 
and this is, this is interesting, he suggests the weapons that David should use. Sticks, swords, and Saul's armor. Saul tries to outfit David. He tries to give him the answer. He tries to you know, put this, this armor and give him the sword. He means well, but, uh, but sometimes even the people that mean well, that's not, the, that's not what you need. You need to stop going to your friend. You need to go to the one who is above, whose name is above every name. You need to go to somebody, the source. You need to go who, to whoever you know, child you are. You need to get a connection with him because nobody else can win your fight for you. They can cheer you on. They can give you suggestion. They can give you some armor, but nobody is going into the valley with you. That's not how it works. It's just not how it works. Whenever you go to the valley, you have got to fight that thing. You've got to have a connection with God. You've got to be able to walk in there and say that I don't need anybody else. No matter how much somebody loves you and is a good counselor and gives you good advice, they can't fight your battle. They can speak truth over you. They can encourage you. They can do a lot of stuff. You've got to pick up your own sword, and you've got to say it's not, you know, it's not mine, but the battle is the Lord's. I've got to have a connection to him. It's not going to do. Yeah, You can't have Brother Joe fight your battles. You can't, you can't have your, your friend or your brother or your wife or your husband to fight your battles. You have got to. All you're going to do is pull them down and into something that fundamentally they cannot win. They're going to end up discouraged. So Saul tries to do that. Now, he does it with good intention. But here, this is interesting. Goliath um, kind of low-key tries to suggest it too. Right? I never thought about that before until now. The enemy... Um, wants to define the terms of your spiritual warfare as well. The enemy would love to say, you're going to beat me with that stick without a point on it? Just your staff, you want to do that? And the enemy will try to get you to fight his way, right? Uh, and will want you, you know, whenever someone's coming against you, the enemy will always be there and say, just let them have it. Just say, you're smarter than they are. Just let them know what you really think. Just blast them. Or, you know, whenever this is a situation, don't, don't just trust God. Go ahead and handle it your own way. Handle it the wrong way. Handle it in the flesh. Let your flesh off the leash a little bit. Go ahead and, and just tell them what you really think. Or make the decision. Walk away from that relationship. Just, just, just get out of there. Just, you know, do, do, take care of you. And he's going to say, handle it with a, with a stick. And I'll tell you why he does that. He does not want to see what's inside you come out and manifest because he knows the source. He knows the source. He knows that, that if you will handle it in the right way, that you'll take, you'll take, you know, God, you'll, you'll do it God's way and you'll, you'll use what he has provided in the spirit, it'll be over. Honestly, you, you, they're playing chicken a little bit. I don't know, maybe, maybe. That's what I think. Goliath is looking, he's like, there's got to be more to this kid. There's got to be more to the story here. What is going on? This, you know, this little handsome little guy, little guy coming to me with a stick. What am I missing here? Nothing disconcerts the enemy quite like that, right? Nothing dis- disconcerts the enemy uh, like a child of God who's standing in the storm with no apparent backup plan or bailout plan, no plan B, and the enemy begins to think, what am I missing here? There's no, there, there's no, there's no reason for you to believe what you're believing unless you, oh, unless, oh, unless you're about to tap into that one thing that I know can destroy me every time. David's standing there. I don't know if the, the Goliath's saying, well, are you going to use the stick? Why don't you go, yeah, go ahead. I'll give you a free shot with the stick because I don't want to see what's in the pouch. 
I don't know what you got in there. I don't know what kind of an anointing that you got, uh, you know, that, that, that you could manifest, that you could call on. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I would rather you deal with this in, in the natural. And honestly, a lot of people give you that suggestion. And so you're trying to deal with these problems and these issues in the natural uh, whenever you are that close to an anointed breakthrough just by trusting the, 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 the power that God has already placed inside you. You are that close to your anointed spirit-filled breakthrough. If only that you would use that and the enemy say, no, just use the other stuff. You know, just, j- just handle it on your own. Don't ask for prayer. Uh, don't lift your hand whenever they say, you know, uh, does anyone want to come forward for prayer? Don't go up to the altar. Just handle your business. Go home. You know, de-stress, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and don't worry about that. Don't tap into the one thing that has slain every giant that it has ever been used against. Don't tap into that one thing uh, that will bring the victory, even in the valley, even whenever there's no sword, even when nothing else works. Don't tap into that. David said, you're not going to define my fight. The stick. Don't worry about the stick. It's the stone you need to worry about. It. It's what's going to come from inside and going to be manifest that I received from God that he gave me. And, he gave, and guess what? He gave me enough for your, bro- your ugly brothers too. Amen. How many stones? Enough. So we don't like that sometimes. How, how many stones? I wish, I wish it was just a big bag full, and then I would feel better about it, you know? How faithful is God to you? Well, he doesn't always make things easy in your life. He doesn't always make sure that there is, you know, 10000 extra dollars in your account, and you never even come close. And, you know, he, he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't do that. How, how good is God? He's good enough. And more. He will never leave you nor forsake you. It is enough. Amen. Last thing, last thing. The God of the mountain is the God in the valley. See, it doesn't matter how the enemy's tried to distract you. It doesn't matter how long he's been telling you this lie. Some, some of you think that, you know, you, you, here's a great quote. If you say something long enough and loud enough, people must then believe it. You know who that was? Adolf Hitler. motivational quotes until you know who said it. Yeah, like that, my favorite greeting card I got that one time. What did it say? It said, uh, it said, all will be yours if you will but worship me. Like a purple flower on it. That was Satan talking, though. He was tempting Jesus. Not a good, not a good deal. You gotta know who said it. That's what Hitler said. You, you, you say a lie loud enough, long enough, people must then believe it. But it doesn't matter how long the enemy has told you this lie, God wants to prove himself the stronger in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter that you were in a valley. You can still win the fight because you got the spirit of God. This is what I will kind of leave us on. And I, I kind of accidentally tapped into this, and the Holy Spirit just hit me. I never even thought about it. Brother Daniel was about the only one who really caught it the other night. And I began to just pray, and this is what came out. I'll preach it, and I won't just pray it. Um, valley is just a place between two mountains that God hasn't moved yet. I let that marinate. Your valley is just a place between two mountains that God hasn't moved yet. Yet. 
worry about. He, he's the God of the mountains. He's the God in the valleys, buddy. He's the God who created them both. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I like to, I like to see the enemy's schemes uncovered. I like to see his surprises ruined. One of the kids' baby, babies that Polly was, uh, was uh, babysitting, she was getting ready to jump out of the doorway and scare her. So much. Mm. Round. She was, and she got so much. Mm. You ruined my surprise. I was gonna. Yeah, I know. I know. I did. I just, that's me. I ruined her surprise, man. But you know, I love to see God ruin the enemy's surprise over your life. <laughs> I do. I do. I can't stand it, man. I love it so much. Whenever God speaks something and He ruins every device, every long-term plan of destruction over your life, everything that the enemy has been sitting over, he birthed this by you even before you were born. He was trying to set you up for failure and he was creating family issues and problems that he was hoping someday would keep you down from being who you were supposed to be. He was trying to bring drugs into the scene. He was trying to do this. He was trying to do that. He had a plan. He was trying to remove the sword and the blacksmith because he didn't want that to get in your hands because he knows you're going to cut his head off if you ever get a sword in your hands. So he was laying these long-term plans and so it's in the valley that this is all happening and he has set up, you. he set you up for defeat but all of a sudden God says, no sir, not in the middle of all this and everything that you have stacked up against my child, it is not enough because one stone, one word from God, one step of faith is all that it takes to undo a generation of what the enemy has done. A whole scheme, a whole plan, it doesn't matter. One stone. The enemy's got this valley. So laying in wait. And all of a sudden God just moves both mountains and it's just him there. Ah! His plan don't work no more, and he's gone. That's how it came to me. <laughs> he, just, he just moved the mountains, and all of a sudden, the, the trap was undone. God can do it. Yes. Won't he do it? 